From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we talk the road warrior Cavs and the end of the road for the Browns. We go national to talk the final week of the NFL season, the start of the playoffs, and we make our final round of college bowl picks. Off the field, we head to the desert to look at new tech unveiled at this year's Consumers Electronics Show. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, how's your dry January going? <laughs> Rather moist. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Dead on arrival. Uh, no dry January at all for this show. Fellas, why don't we get started? We'll stay at home. We'll start with skid marks. The brown and orange road to officially now nowhere. Our final weekly look at the Cleveland Browns season. Browns versus the Steelers today. The Rambaldo Civil War was won again by the ladies. Whitney and baby Charlie sent Chuck, Chip, and the rest of us losers to Loserville again. The Browns start their long winter nap with a demoralizing season finale loss in Pittsburgh. Browns finish the year 7-10 and 10 and in sole occupancy of the AFC North Burke Basement. Burke Basements, the official sponsor of last place <laughs> in the NFL. <laughs> uh, fellas, we're going to do our final Roger Goodell nightmare scale. I'm not even sure if this has ever been a good or effective or smart bit, but we've done it every week since Deshaun Watson's come back. So why not run it back one final time? Let's measure Commissioner Roger Goodell's reaction to Deshaun Watson playing well. One on our scale of one to five being the dream Denko has where he is in a fight, but his arms are limp like noodles. So he just swings his body around to defend himself. <laughs> Five being the one Tammy repeatedly had when she was about six years old, where businessmen come into their house and she is the only one to realize they are actually monkeys when their ears and their tails pop out of their disguises. The monkeys all give her threatening don't tell or else looks. She goes to her room, shuts the door, and then hears a ladder slam against the window. The last thing she sees before she wakes up is an angry monkey face in the window at the top of the ladder. So, scale of one to five, how is Goodell sleeping after Watson's final game of the season with the Browns? So he's sleep like a baby after today. So I'm I'm towards Danko's noodle arms, which is a <laughs> great visual. Thanks, Phil. For, yeah, no problem. Doing that. Raj can focus on playoffs now and 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 sleep pretty well. It was a um, a piss poor showing all around. Yeah, I think Raj is sleeping pretty good. He's probably already asleep. Uh, he's probably not even watching this late game uh, after Deshaun's performance today. Not that it was awful, but it was not good either. So uh, Goodell's probably nestled in bed, calmly awaiting the playoffs, and not worried about Tammy's Planet of the Apes six or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. So I'm with you guys. I'm at a I'm at a one. I, I think he is sleeping very very well tonight. Those two interceptions that Watson threw were just terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them led to points yeah. at times in the game where you couldn't afford to give those points up. He just didn't make a lot of plays today. Held onto the ball, I think, too much again. Led to some holding penalties and some sacks. And in the end, you expected, I think, to see more 
you know, six games into his run than we did today against the Steelers team that they're all right. They're not great. Uh, They're good enough to beat the Browns though. And especially when he doesn't play well, let's look around at the rest of the story for the Browns, but let's start before the game. Kevin Stefanski, Michael or Fredo, his decision to send Clowney home and not play him today. I'm going to put that towards the Michael end of things for this reason. I want to see head coaching decisions by Kevin Stefanski. I don't want to see offensive play calling. I mean, we will, but I want to see him be the CEO of this team. And if that was his decision, who knows if it was, but if that was his decision, then that to me is probably the real first positive thing I've seen in terms of (laughs) other than play calling in terms of, all right, I'm in charge of this team. If you're not with us, you're against us. So you're done. It's Michael, but I think a janitor who works third shift at their at their weight room could have made that decision for that guy not to play, not to travel, not to dress, and uh, after after what was said, but still a Michael decision. I'm full Michael as well. I, I thought it was a good choice. I really didn't like how the media viewed Clowney's statements as a problem with the Browns culture. You know, it's one of those like, oh, here we go again. Browns culture is so bad. This is one guy who popped his mouth off, maybe after deciding he was upset enough about what was happening that he just was going to lie about being hurt and not play the week before or two weeks before that. And he runs his mouth like that. I don't think it's a cultural issue. I think it's one bad dude. And I think Stefanski did exactly the right thing and said, forget it, get out of here. In a game where we could have really used him against a team that runs the ball well, uh, the culture and the attitude of the organization was more important than having him on the field. And I think that sets a good tone. I think that is a very Michael decision. I, mean, I suppose Michael would have just killed him, but he's definitely <laughs> on the, more on the Michael end of things than the Fredo end of things, for sure. Let's go ahead and talk about the game, and let's play the blame game a little bit. We've got some very familiar targets. Who's responsible for losing today's game against the Steelers? Is it A, injuries, no Jack Conklin, and Denzel Ward left the game pretty early. B, the officials overturned the second fumble, missed hands to the face and holding against Garrett, phantom PI on the Steelers' touchdown drive in the second quarter, missed face mask on Watson when he was scrambling. C, Joe Woods. Defense wasn't terrible, but they gave up a bunch of long third downs in the second half and couldn't get a stop when they needed it. D, Stefanski play call. Chubb averaged 6.5 yards per carry, only had 12 of them. E, Jimmy Haslam. Now 59, 118 and 1 as the owner of the Browns. F, all of the above, but mostly the Browns just suck. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that option because <laughs> there are plenty to pick from there. Uh, could focus on Joe Woods because in week 18, there were still busted and blown coverages, but. F sounds perfect to me because it's looking at the organization as a whole uh, from ownership down. Uh, so they they just suck. That's that's basically it. This is a hard one to answer for me because I I, I don't like to be the blame the the officiating guy. So I'm not going to. I prefer not to be the blame the injury guy. But we are so beat up in areas that we have no depth, offensive line and on the defense, the linebackers. And then we just don't have a skill at the defensive line. That's not an injury thing. So there's a little bit of that, but I will also lean towards F for this reason. 
the Pittsburgh Steelers found a way to double up our score with a mediocre team at best as far as Steelers teams go with Kenny Pickett, who I'm sorry, I I, I saw nothing today that I thought, oh, here's a quarterback that's going to yeah. lead a team to a bunch of playoff yeah. wins. Very unimpressive. He looked he looked worse than than the shit we used to rip on Baker Mayfield for at times, but our defense allowed him to make plays when they needed to. And our offense couldn't overcome long fields, which was disconcerting in, in the fact that we have supposedly our quarterback and our running back and our wide receivers. It just, the line wasn't great. And I, I don't know. So I'm going to go with F because I feel like something's happening here that it's just the Browns. It's very Brownsy. They shouldn't have lost this game. I'm going with F as well. It's just a total thing. Like I hate blaming the officials too, but that was a really weird game. Uh, all those calls that I mentioned and then a bunch of other stuff too, like the weird thing with the two minute warning at the end of the first half and abs, I mean, it benefited us, but the terrible roughing the passer call when the guy just yeah. tackled Watson, like what was <laughs> that? It's just an all around lousy game for the officials, but that defense not being able to hold them on third and 10, third and eight, third and seven. And that final touchdown drive that put the game away was just terrible. And again, didn't look to me like they were having any trouble running the ball. And Stefanski doesn't give the ball to Chubb at times in the game where they didn't need to be passing. They could be running and, and making a difference. So maybe the problem is still organization-wide. And maybe we shouldn't expect them to fix 20 years of dysfunction in only two or three seasons. So hopefully when we step back from this season a few weeks and look back, maybe we'll be able to see more positives that the organization is headed in the right direction, hopefully. But for right now, the Browns suck. Moving on, Nick Chubb was really, really good today. Like I said, 12 carries for 77 yards, five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. Was anyone else any good? It's funny you bring that up because I wrote, and I quote, MVB, Nick Chubb, that's the list <laughs> in my in my notes today. I, I do have a runner-up, though. I, I'll, I'll give the runner-up to Miles Garrett. That, that dude... He gets up for these Steelers games, and okay, that's good as Cleveland Browns fans, right? And not that he doesn't get up for other games. That dude's getting manhandled, and some of the shit that Clowney said this week about him is just a joke. Like, yeah. Like, putting him in, in positions to to dominate. The dude gets double teamed on every play. Like, what are you talking about? But he had a he had a really good game. I mean, he had a lot of tackles, seven tackles. He was dropping running backs behind the line of scrimmage. He had a sack. He had a good game. It just, after Miles Garrett, the defense was struggling, so... If I had to choose someone other than Nick Chubb, it'd be him today. And maybe what we saw in this offense, I hope it's not the case, but maybe what we saw with Nick Chubb today is more of a sign of what's to come with Deshaun Watson as the quarterback. Where the dude, Nick Chubb had 122 yards of total offense. It just was, it was receiving and running. And that might be something we're not used to seeing out of Nick Chubb. The list starts and ends with, with Nick Chubb. The only note I really have was amazing what happens when you include Nick Chubb in the offense. <laughs> it was nice to see, like Phil said, like him catching balls out of the backfield. And I don't just know if he was the check down or what, but again, it, it's no different than when he's running the ball. He somehow makes a lot happen out of a whole lot of nothing. So he's probably the MVB for the season, but definitely for today. I'm with Phil. The only other person besides Chubb that even gets any consideration is Garrett. Played inspired football today when it didn't look like a lot of that defense was playing inspired for the entire game. Maybe Bajorquez had a good game. I didn't look at his numbers. He had at least one <laughs> super long punt, so maybe we got to count him in there too, but it's mostly Garrett. All right, so what's the best part 
of the loss today. Steelers don't make the playoffs because the Dolphins won, or it's only 37 days from today until we get to celebrate the big February 14th holiday, the day Guardians pitchers and catchers report for spring training. (laughs) One of those, or whatever you want, best part about today's loss. It's probably leaning towards the Guardians pitchers and catchers reporting, but really that it's just over that that's the best part for me the season's over my sundays are back where i won't let it really affect me all that much uh, even though it doesn't like it used to it's I, I said this to my wife saying like i look so forward to browns football all year and then i watch it and then in about a month from now i'll start gearing up by like getting excited for browns football again it's a disgusting cycle <laughs> uh, so the best thing for me is that it's just it's just over that's all now i can try not to be mad yeah, I, I love to think about pitchers and catchers reporting, and and that's that's awesome. I have a sinking suspicion that would happen whether the Browns are good or shitty, so I would prefer <laughs> yeah. the Browns to be good yeah. for once. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I get it. That's kind of what we look forward to. I I'm with Chuck here, man. I am. When today's game ended, there was this like sigh of like, all right, I got like Sundays now for quite some time. Like I I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm going to be super productive, but I'm going to enjoy them and do whatever needs to be done. And it's fine. And that that's too bad to say because the Browns just continue to underwhelm, <laughs> you know, all of our expectations and we'll see, I'm sure we'll be ramped right back up as soon as they start making off season free agent moves. Right. It's so funny that uh, I chose this question because it felt more positive than the question I was thinking of asking, which is, are you more sad that the season's over or relieved that the season's over <laughs> and both of you still went to relieve that the season is yes. over and i agree yeah. with this you year. yeah a hundred percent man taking off my browns t-shirt hanging it in my closet knowing that i will not put on anything brown and orange again until september actually was a sense of relief and that sucks that's it for the Browns season. I'm sure in a couple of weeks, we'll probably get together and recap all of this mess and hopefully, like I said, feel better about it. But for now, let's move on to the stuff that's really fun. Let's talk Sip of Wine and Gold, our weekly Cavs recap. Cavs week started with a bang. While we were recording last week on Monday night, the 71-point Mitchell game and overtime win over the Bulls, the week continued with a clunky 1997-style NBA late win over the Suns on Wednesday night, a woulda-coulda-shoulda shorthanded loss on the road to the Nuggets Friday night, and a Sunday fun day saving win against the Phoenix Suns again tonight. Cavs finished the week 26-15, and 15, maybe in a tie for third in the East, maybe fourth in the East, maybe both. Scale of one to five. One being J.P. Shiraz, which tastes like bitter clown tears with a hint of suspicion. Best drunk (laughs) in the street. (laughs) Five being cashmere, a red blend described as spicy and exotic with a velvety finish, just like me, from Mattis Winery in (laughs) Wakeman, Ohio. So scale of one to five, how would you rate the Cavs last week and try not to be swayed? By the memory of Mitchell going for 71. I don't need that to sway me. They went three and one in this week. It's certainly not Smokey Robinson's wine, whatever the tears of the clown was that you were talking about. But uh, (laughs) 
I, I don't know that I'm going to put it too high in this guy. I'll give it a, I'll give it a nudge to like a three and a half. I, I think we'll take a three in one week every week of the year, right? Like that's amazing. It just was a weird, it was a weird way they got it done. Like, like Mitchell's effort was amazing. And then after that, it was just strange. Although tonight, tonight was more balanced. I will say that, you, you know, I, we watched the game a little bit as we were starting to record. And I looked back at the box to score afterwards and all five starters were in double figures and Allen had a double double. And that's, that's beginning to be our recipe for success where we're getting about 40, 40 to 50 points out of the guards and everyone else is in double figures and doing their, doing their part with their skill set. So three and a half for me. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go like 4.25 to four and a half. 4.25. Wow. You include, <laughs> yeah, four point. I, we've never done a 0.25, no, so I'm going. We haven't. Right. No, you're um, our first quarter stepper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you start with Monday in, in the best single game history in, in the history of the organization. Uh, and then you had an off game on a Wednesday where they really didn't play all that well. The offense was terrible in the first half uh, and and they win and, and they lose against Denver and, and then they win again tonight. So the things that I don't like about this team, they seem to overcome and they're winning games even on their not best nights. I think they're a better team than I give them credit for. So that's why I'm at like a 4.25. Even if you remove Monday, which was a blast, uh, they they overcome a lot of poor shooting or or guys who are sitting out or even some of these nagging injuries uh, and still win. So that's why I'm at a 4.25 this week. I'm at a four, but mostly because I was disappointed with the way the defense kind of came apart against the Nuggets. All of the wins, I think, were really good wins. I mean, Donovan's game's incredible. We're going to talk about it some more. Even that win over the Suns in that low-scoring game, was a good win considering that they didn't have Garland and you could tell they were exhausted coming out of that that big win early in the week. The win tonight is fantastic. They beat the hell out of a team that was shorthanded and didn't belong on the court with them. That's what good teams do. The first quarter of that Nuggets game, the defense was outstanding and they just couldn't maintain it for the entire game and they ended up kind of getting run out of the gym in that one. But you're on the road against one of the best teams in basketball and you're playing without Mitchell. You can't get too down on them for losing that game. So I think this was a really good week. They look like they are consistently heading in the right direction game to game to game now, um, no matter who's on the floor. And that's a lot of fun. So a four for me, but I could be just persuaded into a 4.25 or a 4.375, something like that. For <laughs> sure. Now there's a ton of things to talk about four games of basketball, some of them with guys in, some of them with guys out, but I don't want to. I just want to talk about Donovan Mitchell love tonight. What did you love the most about Donovan Mitchell from last week? Obviously the big one, 71 points in a huge come from behind win. They were down by 20 at some point in that Chicago game and he brought him back. He was efficient as hell. He was 22 of 34 from the field. That's 65%. He was 7 of 15 from three, that's 47%. Uh, next one, in that 71-point game, he accounted for more than 90 of the Cavs' points because he also had 11 assists. After the 71-point game, in that kind of clunky game against the Suns, final possession of the game, Donovan Mitchell, your stud scorer, drives to the hoop and passes to an open Evan Mobley for the game-winning shot. So which of those things did you love the best about Mitchell from last week? Well, how could you not love the 71-point performance when he had a role in 
I, I think it was actually closer to like a hundred yeah, points of the game. It was like 100. him. Yeah. 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 High nineties I mean, somewhere. Yeah. Just an amazing, an amazing performance that has only happened maybe a couple times in our lifetime and only seven other or six other players in the history of the NBA have, have accomplished that. So that, of course you love that. But what you mentioned last Donovan Mitchell is a superstar as we've talked about, and, and he can score points and fill up, fill up the basket, uh, especially when he's hot and that, and that's great, but He's not a one-dimensional player by any stretch of the imagination. This guy controls the game. And that was a game when he dished that to Mobley, Mobley was struggling. He was having a terrible game. I think that was his fifth and sixth point of that game to win the game at the end. I think that bodes well for the future of Donovan Mitchell leading this team when there's confidence in the young players around him because that's what's going to be required to beat teams in playoff series that you match up to or match up against, I should say, night in and night out for a five or seven game series. So I guess if I'm looking at Monday, that's my favorite thing is the fact that he had a hand in so many points and basically won the game on his own, but it's, it wasn't on your list, but it's, it's the missed free throw, get your own rebound and somehow circus shot in like, yeah, I haven't seen anything like that, that damn near. I mean, ever so uh, to, to be able to, to watch it, especially it's like you know, it's one thing if it. Let's just take Giannis. If that dude did it, because he's seven foot tall and gets his own rebound, but Donovan Mitchell's like six one, and he got in the lane and threw up that shot. We've been blessed to see LeBron James make a lot of unbelievable things happen uh, for the Cavs, but I would put that up there, not just the whole game itself, specifically his missed free throw, uh, and then they get the putback. I can't decide if. I'm on the accounting for almost a hundred points in the game or the next game making the pass or now that Chuck has added to it, the missed free throw put back to tie the game and score your 58th point. What I love, I think I love about this guy is that he seems to almost always make the right basketball play. He never seems like he's trying to force his shots or force the action. He just, he takes just the shots when they're there for him. He creates in an intelligent way and if it's not there, he gets the ball to the guy who has the best opportunity to make a shot, no matter what point of the game it is, even all the way at the end like that, to have the confidence in Mobley to say, hey, I got three guys on me. They've collapsed. I can get it to you, and you've got a wide open, uncontested, nobody near you 15-footer for the game. That's fantastic, man. That's just a really, really good basketball player. Maybe mine isn't anywhere on my list either, but that's what I really like about him. He just <laughs> seems to, maybe that's the efficiency. I don't know. He just seems to make the smart basketball play so much. And that makes him really fun to watch and really reliable, I think, for this team going forward. Let's keep the good news rolling. Let's just pretend like nothing bad happened the entire week. <laughs> Remember the problems with the bench earlier in the season? In the seven games before tonight's game, the bench has averaged 38 points a game. So can that bench group, which is still kind of a rotating combination of Jetty, Okoro, Kevin Love, Karis Levert, and Lamar Stevens, keep that kind of production up for the rest of the season? Well, at some point, you're getting Rubio back. So that that'll probably help that rotation, but and I left Neto off the list. I can't believe I did yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he had a great week. favorite player. Yeah, he had a awesome really good week. week. But but above that, can they keep it up? If Levert can keep it up, uh, he had a great week as well. And when he is attacking, he is such a better player. And maybe like the rotation thing, I don't know how. I don't think he fits really well with Garland for some reason. Like 
when they're on the court together, it just it doesn't work right. But um, either he plays at the level he's playing at now, and we love that bench for the rest of the year, or this is a showcase for them to move him for for wing for wing help, basically with what this team needs. Either way, I need that guy to continue to play well for the rest of the year or to play well until they trade him to bring in a piece that's going to help this team uh, make a deep playoff run. So can they can they continue that kind of production where they're averaging high 30s off the bench? I, I think they can. I, I mean, it's as you mentioned last week, we're in the dog days of the NBA season, right? So I, I, you're going to have ebbs and flows to that. But I think that the roster you outlined there, if, if it's Jetty one night, if it's Levert one night, where they're getting their 15 to 20, right? Because that's what's been happening recently is you get this guy off the bench. It's like, oh my God, let's go with the hot hand. And it gets extra minutes and that's great. So if you're getting 15 to 20 out of one guy, the rest of the bench just needs to go out there and do their job, you know, to get to that 35 to, to 40 point range. And interesting, Chuck brought it up. An interesting piece will be when Ricky Rubio comes back, what does that do to that bench group? You know, I mean, here's a, here's a vet that is going to go out there and think assist first, but he can score the ball too, you know? So there's going to be days where he has five assists off the bench. There's going to be days where he has 10 points off the bench. So yeah, I think they can keep up that 30, 30 plus point average the rest of the way. I think they're getting better. I, I think they're getting better. And so I do think they can maintain this and maybe even improve on it some. And whether or not it means that some of these guys or one of these guys is getting moved, uh, you know, that's probably too soon to to know that although it seems pretty likely. But for now, I think they're really consistent over the last week and a half or so, and I see no reason why they can't maintain that. It's kind of like they're all starting to figure out what their role is going to be, uh, and that's leading to good production off of the bench. So that's fantastic. All right, let's look ahead to next week. West Coast swinging continues as the Cavs bring some basketball sinning to Utah on Tuesday. Some rain to Portland on Thursday and some dog that's D A W G dog to battle the wolves in Minnesota on Saturday night. Now I know they're at the tail end of a West coast trip this week and they haven't been great on the road, but none of these three teams have a winning record. Cavs should at least be two and one or better this week, right? You're onto something. Yeah, they should. Be. <laughs> that's not what we're playing. Oh yeah, they should be. Absolutely. They should be. Yeah, two and one are better. Absolutely. No excuses. Take all three. I'm with you. All three sounds totally reasonable and expected. Uh, let's keep the winning going, Cavs. Fellas, that's going to do it for our at-home segment. Why don't we take our first break? We'll come back. We'll head out on the road and talk some NFL playoffs coming. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, start in the NFL. The regular season is over. The playoffs are coming. Wild card weekend kicks off next week. Let's look at the matchup starting in the AFC. Chiefs won this weekend to hold on to the one seed. Bills get the two seed. Bengals, Chargers, and Ravens were all already in. That leaves us with two available spots. Who had the worst win and in victory of the weekend? Jaguars won without gaining a yard on offense in the fourth quarter of their win over the Titans. The Dolphins were the last team into the playoff field with a gross 11-6 win over the Joe Flacco-led New York Jets. 
Which one of those was the worst winning in game of the weekend? That's a stiff competition there. I'm going to go with Jacksonville, though, because I can't imagine, and I don't know how we would even look this up. Uh, I'm not going to do it, but I can't imagine a team in the NFL wins too often having not gained a yard in the fourth quarter of an NFL game, right? Like that's, that's wow. That's awful. I'm going the other way. It's it's the dolphins. And I know they have a lot of injuries, but that was at one point, the sexiest offense in the NFL. And it comes down to a 50 yard field goal to be Joe Flacco. Uh, that's the worst winning in. It's been really hard for me to decide which one of the, I've been going back and forth since I wrote this question down this afternoon. I think it's the Jaguars. Um, to not gain a yard of offense in the fourth quarter, to not be able to put away a Titans team that's being led by Josh Dobbs, nice guy, not great quarterback. I don't know. <laughs> Jaguars, I'm, I'm not that impressed with that one. So in the AFC, our wild card matchups, Chargers versus the Jags in Jacksonville, Dolphins versus the Bills in Buffalo, Ravens versus the Bengals in Cincinnati. Of those teams, which team are you most confident is getting a win next week? Uh, who are the Bills playing? Dolphins. Miami. Wow. I feel like the other two games are kind of coin flips. I'm going to go with the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills because they're at home. They're, they've been a really good team all year. I think they maybe take advantage of some cold weather against the, the Finns. I, I don't know if... Who was playing and he shouldn't be playing, right? If you have Phil, you're a learned doctor. Should a guy with three concussions come back and play in the season? No, probably right. not. <laughs> so uh, either way, I, I think it's, it's the Bengals. Cause I don't think Lamar Jackson's playing again this year. Uh, and they have been like, got out to a lot of wins and that was really good for them. Cause they have been a dog shit team for the last four or five weeks, whatever it's been. And the Bengals might be playing the best football in the NFL over the last month to month and a half. So uh, I'm going to say that Bengals one's probably the easiest or most guaranteed win, if that was the question. The question is, which team are you most confident in getting a win next week? And I'm with you. I'm on the Bengals. I almost wonder if the Bills might be in for somewhat of a letdown game. Like, this was obviously a massively emotional week for them. They have this big game that they win today. Is there a letdown there that that maybe for very understandable reasons – they're not as sharp as normal. And the Bengals are playing great. And I think they get the Ravens again at home. I, I think they're going to beat the brakes off them just like they did today. So I'm most confident in the Bengals. Which team are you least confident in pulling out a win this weekend? Can I stick with the same thing? The Bengals? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <out there. laughs> the Ravens? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm the least confident in the Ravens. I mean, if... If they're starting their their third string guy, if if their tight end Mark Andrews is isn't playing again, though that Isaiah likely dude is a real deal. When he plays, he's played really well. I, I just think the Ravens just kind of limped into the playoffs starting almost two months ago. And if Lamar Jackson's not playing, that team is ugly. But they still find a way. But they're not gonna not this week. Oddly, I'm least confident in two teams that are playing each other: the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> and the and the L.A. Chargers. I. I have no confidence in either one of those teams. I so I'll I'll lean towards Jacksonville because while they had been playing pretty good football to end the season, they're not a real complete team yet. I know they're at home, but that doesn't matter, right? But then there's the Chargers, and I don't know what to think of that team. That team has talent all up and down the field, and they I don't know, they're just barely in the playoffs. So I'm least confident in Jacksonville and second least confident in the team they're playing. I think I'm least confident in the Dolphins. They seem like a mess. 
And I agree that there's just no way Tua is coming back. And they're not going to have Bridgewater either. And I think uh, Tyreek Hill went out for some time today, and he might be hurt too. Man, if they don't have him and they don't have a quarterback, that offense is going to struggle. I I don't see any scenario. Where I do see a scenario for the Jags, and I see a possible one for the Ravens, I don't see any scenario where the Dolphins beat the Bills. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins can get that job done. So how are the Bills not your most confident then? (laughs) Come on. Because I think the Bengals are playing the best. (laughs) I think the Bengals are playing the best. So who are your winners of those games next week? Bengals, Bills, Chargers. Same three. Bengals, Bills, Chargers. Me too. Those seem like the real obvious choices. I can't wait to see which ones we're wrong on because we're definitely going to get some (laughs) of those wrong. All right. Moving over to the NFC. Uh, The Eagles took care of business barely. The Buccaneers are the league's best loser. Baker and Gino had the most exciting bad quarterback battle of the season of the teams going into the playoffs in the NFC. Who is backing into the playoffs with the most velocity? Dallas lost 26 to 6 to a commander's team quarterbacked by a guy named Sam Howell who has never eaten beef or seafood. <laughs> I found that on Wikipedia. So, got to be true. The Buccaneers win the South with a losing record and enter the playoffs after getting creamed today by the Atlanta Falcons. Who's backing into the playoffs the hardest? It's got to be the Buccaneers. And that somewhat pains me to say, because I've, I've always been a fan of theirs, but, and I know they, they were already in, but still like Atlanta's a dog shit team. Remember when the Browns lost to them though, then they lose to them. Yeah. I don't yeah, want to look yeah. back. It's definitely Tampa, even with all that, those weapons and all that, maybe they could write this shit, but they, they limped in. It's definitely the Buccaneers. I, in the past, we'd see a wild card team eke in with a back in the sixteen game seasons, right, with like an eight and eight record or a seven and nine record. How often does the division winner clinch the division the week before the last week of the season and then lose the game to end up with a losing record in the season? It's just horseshit. Like the the whole <laughs> the whole division should be suspended from postseason play. <laughs> like they just take another wild card in their in their place. So it's the Buccaneers in my mind. I think it's Dallas. I don't know how you lose to the commander's team that we saw the Browns beat the week before. And it wasn't even maybe as good a team because it had this Sam Howell kid playing quarterback for the first time, I think. That's terrible. Does Dallas only score six points? Like, I know Washington's defense is good, but the Cowboys are such a weird team. They're like the rich man version of the Browns. Like, they were loaded with talent. And they win games, which the Browns don't do, but they don't ever win as much as you think they should. Um, so I think Dallas is screaming into the playoffs backwards. Our wild card matchups, which are not complete yet, although as we're recording, Detroit is up 20 to 16 with three minutes in the fourth and just got an interception. And Rodgers is not happy at somebody. We have Dallas at Tampa. That one is set. Giants at Minnesota, that one is set. And then it's either going to be Seattle or Green Bay against San Francisco, and it's looking an awful lot like it's going to be Seattle right now. So same questions. Which team are you most confident can get a win next weekend? Most confident I'm going with the 49ers, whoever they line up against. Yeah, it's definitely the 49ers. They can play every team in the wild card back to back to back, and they should still win all three games on the same day. Yeah, I think it's the 49ers too. 
which is crazy considering they're starting uh, a quarterback with almost no experience, but he's played fantastic the last few weeks. They just look like they are a very, very solid top to bottom football team. And I agree with you. I'm not sure anybody else in the wild card is. So least confident, can't see a scenario with a team getting a win. Who is it out of that group? I think it's Seattle. I don't think they're that good. And who who are they even playing? It doesn't matter. San Fran? They'd be playing oh, San yeah. Francisco. Well, shit, that made it easy. It's Seattle <laughs> slash the Packers or anybody else. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. But I, I feel compelled to make the same argument I made for the AFC. I am least confident in two teams that are playing against each other. <laughs> and when <laughs> Dallas is traveling to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers, like, I, I, I don't. I could see both of those teams losing the same game they're playing in somehow. I don't know. I'm on the Giants. I don't see any way the Giants put together a winning game in the playoffs. Uh, I agree with Chuck from last week. The Giants suck and probably are here just based on having like an easy schedule outside of their division. But I, I just don't see a scenario where they beat Minnesota. Although I'll tell you, Dallas and Tampa are really, really close. Like I don't really see how either of those teams win either, but... Dallas seems loaded and Tampa Bay has Brady. So you don't, I don't, I guess there's a, there's a path forward for them, but I don't think there is for the giants. Who are your winners in those three games? Uh, Minnesota, Dallas. Can't believe I said that, but yeah, (laughs) it doesn't feel good. Does it? No, it does not. And the 49ers Chuck same. So I'll go, I'll go out on a limb just for some fun and support our fellow 45 year old. I'll go Minnesota, San Francisco, Tampa Bay. Come on, Brady. Win a playoff game at home. Uh, Wild Card Weekend is one of the funnest weekends of the year for the NFL, so I'm, I'm looking forward to all these games, although there are some shit teams that probably don't deserve to be there. But why don't we wrap that up, move on to our From the Land College Bowl Pick'em Challenge, and we'll start with the standings. And, fellas, Tammy took control this week. Without even really knowing which team she was picking, uh, she got wins by Wisconsin-Milwaukee and Triveca Nazarene, who beat, who beat Lake Erie College 79-47, to covered their five-and-a-half-point spread pretty easily. <laughs> she got a late cover by the Tartans of Carnegie Mellon in a one-point loss to Case. But the lawyers of Davis and Elkins wrestled away her perfect week by covering in a 19-18 to loss to Notre Dame wrestling this afternoon at the end of the week tammy is in the lead all by herself with 10 points (laughs) chuck and i are tied for second with eight miller and burke at seven denko did it again he only got one game right i didn't know i got one yeah (laughs) uh you you were on davis and elkins man they covered (laughs) that was i was that was a big one (laughs) so our final set of five picks for the championship game Tomorrow, number one, Georgia versus number four, TCU for the professional college football title. We'll start with some prop bets. So let's start with TCU quarterback Max Dugan. He had 461 yards rushing this season. The over under for the championship game for rushing yards is 29 and a half. What are you taking? From the limited amount of action I've seen, he's he's their best player. So uh, again, he's going to have to play really well. So that. Uh, I'll take, it's got to be a 29 and a half. Yep. It's going to settle right in at 32. So I'll take wow. the over. 
I'm leaning over as well because I feel like there's going to be a lot of broken plays and he's going to be scrambling for his life and probably turning pass attempts into rushing yards throughout this game. I have to be mathematically eliminated in this, right? Even if I go five for five here, there's no way yes, I'm coming back. So yep, I'm, yep, right. there's no reason for me just to pick against what you guys say. So I'll go over. That's what's going to happen. I think I got to find ways to differentiate myself from Chuck. So I guess I'll take the under on this one. So hopefully, uh, he gets beat up a little bit and doesn't get those yards. All right, next one. Quarterback for Georgia, Stetson Bennett, averages 271 yards passing per game this season. The over-under for this game is 274 and a half passing yards for him. What are you taking? I'll take the take the over. Guy's like 30. Have terrible <laughs> hair. But they also that dude. He's like 25. There's no way that guy should still be playing. Yeah, he's older. I would still take the over only because watching them against Ohio State and that that one dude who's just a burner, like a world class track athlete. If he gets like two or three deep plays, uh, I still think he, he can go over on that. They should go over on that. Two seventy four and a half for our boy Stetson. I'm going to go over. Okay, I think we're all on the over. I feel like that guy probably is going to have a big game. He's going over that number. All right, next one. Both teams, TCU and Georgia, a lot of firepower, big play offenses. The longest touchdown of the game by either team, over under 49 and a half yards. Ah, it's a big number, but I'm going to say, I'm going to go over again. I'm going to say it's college football. There's going to be some 75 yard play, be it a run or a pass that gets broken wide open. Over for sure. Same. Something big will happen. I got to find a way to separate myself from Chuck. Uh, so I guess I'll go under and hope that um, no big plays happen for the entire game. Next one, over under point total for the game, 63 and a half. I'm going to take the under. 63 and a half. Georgia and Ohio State just put up, what, 83 points in that game. Yeah. TCU is not Ohio State. Mm, I'll go over again, though. Barely, but over. I'm going to go over as well. Last one, Georgia, minus 12 and a half over TCU. Who are you taking with a 12 and a half point line favoring Georgia? Taking Georgia to win the game, and I'm taking them to cover. I'm going to say somehow TCU keeps it closer than 12 and a half. I'm going to go with the Cinderella TCU Horn Frogs the- losing by less than 12 and a half. Points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like they got to keep it close. So we'll see. I can't wait to see what Tammy picks. She's not going to have any idea what any of these numbers mean, but somehow she's still going to get it right, which is amazing. Probably a reason why she should be hosting this show instead of me. But anyway, fellas, we're going to take our final break here. We're going to go off the field, come back, talk some tech. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. And our first bebopping and TikToking from the land tech talk of 2023. Let's talk new tech from the Consumer Electronics Show, which wrapped up last week in Las Vegas. Consumer Electronics Show, or CES as it's known in the biz. A stat line for CES it is the biggest electronics trade show in the world. It's held every January in Las Vegas. It's also one of the biggest events of the year in Sin City. I think only the rodeo is bigger. And if you've never been to the rodeo in Vegas, 
it's worth checking out. It's a humongous event, but more than a hundred thousand guests will attend CES this year. The first real year it's been back since going virtual during COVID. There are more than 3,000 exhibitors being covered by 1,665 media outlets. 1,666, if you count us. On average, CES <laughs> generates about $300 million a year in revenue for the city of Las Vegas. It is also where major tech products are released every year. So let's take a look at CES and let's start by looking back. Which one of these do you think was the most historically significant product released at CES? 1970, Philips unveils the first ever home VCR for a tidy $900. On eBay, you can currently get a pre-owned Philips VCR for six bucks. 1987, Atari is shown publicly for the first time. 2002, First ever cell phone camera combo introduced. 2012, the first ever 3D printers were unveiled at CES. Which one of those most historically significant? Uh, I will go back to 2002 when it, the cell phone and camera were comboed together because in 2023, and as far back as like three years, cell phone commercials now are specifically geared towards cameras. Uh, whether they're taking picture or video, uh, imagine the industry, your cell phone destroyed, sorry, Kodak and a bunch of other places. <laughs> but basically, you know, like you think what's happened in our life where uh, if you were playing sports in grade school and your dad came with a camcorder that was the size of a bazooka, uh, now you record stuff uh, <laughs> in the palm of your hand. So I think that that has kind of changed the way we uh, create memory or share and save memory with something on your phone that shoots in way better quality than, than anything ever did before that. But you wouldn't have had my grandpa Bob videotaping the first ever whiz bang <laughs> if it had been all been on cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's without a doubt the cell phone camera combo. I mean, it is it is absolutely changed the way the entire world communicates and functions on a daily basis. It, it's like nothing else. And, and all those things are amazing things. And I guess I would reserve judgment for the 3d printing. Cause I think yeah. that has some, that has some potential, but again, that's not something that's going to, maybe I'm wrong, but that's not something that's going to be in our hands every day. Right. And just be with us at all times to where you have this multi-functioning device that, that rules the, the world. A uh, quick side note, $900 in 1970 for that VCR that's $6,912.60. Damn. $7,000 VCR. <laughs> you had to be like hammer to afford the VCR. Uh, not even 1970. I don't even know who it would have been, but I'm with you guys. Three for three. I think it's the cell phone camera combo. I remember in 2002 thinking that was so dumb. Like, why would you need a camera on your phone? This is the dumbest thing ever. And I was proven, obviously, to be really, <laughs> really wrong about that one. Cell phone and camera combo, biggest thing ever released at CES. Let's move on. Scale of one to five. One being Google Glasses, five being the wheel. How would you rate the necessity of these 2023 <laughs> CES new techs. First one, U-Scan. Sensor attaches to your toilet bowl and analyzes your urine whenever you pee. Scale of one to five. Oh, yeah. 
how useful is that? How necessary? How is that? necessary? Oh, so it's <laughs> it's completely unnecessary. I I think. Yeah, I, I don't want to know that tomorrow morning when I wake up on Monday, my urine is still a percentage alcohol. <laughs> I don't need to know that. I need to I need to get a cup of coffee and shake that shit off and get to work. Right? Like that's that's what I need to know. Unnecessary. It's a one. What's it measuring? What's it looking for? I didn't look all up at the details. It's a one. It's, it's health stuff. <laughs> it's a one. <laughs> all right, one. Uh, next one. A company named Prinker has come up with a printer that will print color designs on your hair. It will not, before you ask, actually print hair. <laughs> Scale of one to five. One being Google Glasses, five being the wheel. How necessary is the hair printer? It's uh, another one from me. Even if I had hair, it's a, it's a one. One's across the board. Last one, Styler Shoe Care from LG. It's like a little locker where you put your shoes and 37 minutes later, they're deodorized. Scale of one to five. How necessary is that one? 37 minutes later, they're deodorized. I find myself fortunate in this life for many reasons. And one of them is I don't have stinky feet. Uh, so my shoes don't need that, but many people could benefit from that. So I'm going to give it a little... 1.25 on the Chuck scale. <laughs> Unless I own a successful chain of bowling alleys, which I don't, uh, this is a one. I'm surprised. I'm going to give it like a two. I do have somewhat stinky feet, uh, although all you got to do is put your shoes in the freezer like overnight and it kills all the smell anyway. So you don't really need this locker, but this feels like something that Mike Casario is going to own at some yeah, point in maybe, the future. Yeah. That, that's what this product is for. That's yeah. who it's for. It's not for us. All right, let's move on. You guys know how important to me you are and how much I love you. So I gave a lot of thought to tech that I thought each of you needs. So first, Denko, Hatch Restore 2 aims to help build healthy sleep habits and reduce stress-induced insomnia via customizable sunrise and sunset simulations and personally curated soundscapes. This is an alarm clock that has all these features. It features wind down routines, which is a clever euphemism, I think, before you go to bed, <laughs> wake up content such as short meditations and morning stretches to help jumpstart your day. Uh, this thing only costs 200 bucks. Chuck, Denko needs this thing, right? Yeah, somewhat. Or... He just needs to turn the TV off and get in bed. And that doesn't cost $200, though I'm sure. I mean, it sounds like it does a whole lot. Like it simulates sunrise and sunset for an alarm clock. That's impressive, uh, especially in the region where we live, where we rarely see the sun for about four months in, in fall and winter. So maybe he does need it. You've talked me into it. It's a two. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I appreciate your thoughts. It sounds wonderful. The problem with this is. It would be installed in my bedroom and I'd have to not pass out on my couch while watching the third episode of Succession that night to actually reap the benefits of this device, right? So I feel like it's a great plan and I'd be wasting $200. What I heard was Denko needs two of these. There you go. One for the $400. Right. One for the yeah, bedroom. This is still better bucks. than the 1970 VCR. Yep. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Next one. Chuck, Glukskind, Ella Stroller. It's an AI-powered self-driving stroller. It also features a smart brake that will keep it from running away and a rocking feature with built-in white noise to rock your little one to sleep. This is only $3,800. Thank you. 
Chuck needs this, right? You just no. push the baby out the front door and no. let the Glukes kind do the rest. <laughs> the Glukes kind is going to lose poor little Charlie and yeah. perhaps Chip if it's a double stroller. Uh, we don't we don't need that. This is thirty eight hundred dollars. All that all that stuff can be achieved by good old fashioned pushing a stroller around the neighborhood and or starting the car and going for a short drive. The babies fall asleep. Well, that's a high price tag for that, where I can call back to last week and just do primal movements and push a stroller <laughs> or hold a baby and rock it. Yeah. Uh, while it does actually sound, we, we, we do put a lot of miles on a stroller, but still that's, damn, man, you gotta, I'm gonna need another, uh, I need a loan to pay that off. That's Same more than, cash. that's more than twice as much as my first car. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> well, not in today's dollars though. That's your that's car. True. Today's that's dollars true. would be way different. All right. That's last true. one. Yeah. Help me out here. This one's for Tammy. Because every once in a while, but but not often, she acts or behaves in a way that really doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Again, it's not a whole lot of times, but it's sometimes. <laughs> so now there's Evie, a smart ring that actually looks a lot like a wedding band. Monitors your heart rate, skin temperature, SPO2 levels. Uh, but most importantly... Its companion app will show women why they feel a certain way and help them make meaningful changes. Now, I don't want to spoil this, <laughs> but is this a good Valentine's Day gift for Tammy? No. A hundred million times, no. <laughs> it's a wonderful device that seems to be reading out a bunch of wonderful biometrics that we could all benefit from. But you do not get that device for the love of your life if you want them to continue to be that i think don't take my advice though <laughs> Chuck, you're happily no. married uh, but i would not buy a ring to tell my wife how she should be acting or <laughs> the decision she should be making i rarely do that with my own mouth so i would pass on the spoo too or whatever it's called for tabby <laughs> all right well i'm gonna still think about it uh, <laughs> but i'll take your opinions under advisement all right, how about the best new tech for music? Which one of these sounds the best to you guys? First one, Brain Audio. Not what you think, but the Brain X is breaking Hoffman's Law, which apparently states that in order to produce deep bass, a speaker must be either large or draw a tremendous amount of electrical power. The Brain X is the first speaker in its class to include a subwoofer producing 10 times the deep bass without increasing the size or power consumption for a Bluetooth wireless speaker. Next one, Clear Audio has a product called Roam Sport, which is true noise canceling, sweat and water resistant. How does it know the difference? Earbuds for listening to music or podcasts while you're working out. Last one, Mellocene, a creation by platinum-selling guitarist and futurist Chad Gerber. Mellocene is a VR system that connects the user to all the tools they need to immerse themselves in a virtual studio to write, create, and produce music with other artists all over the world. So from a music perspective, which one of these do you think Sounds the best. I like the last one. If I was a musician, um, the fact that you can connect with other people virtually, but as somebody who can't read it, can't write it, can't really play it, but really loves to listen to it. 
and has gone through an unbelievable amount of smart speakers because the sound has always been a little off and thin when it came to the low end and the bass. The fact that you're saying something has been created that doesn't take power or isn't gigantic with a subwoofer, I'd be super interested in here uh, just how good that would sound with the a wide array of music I listen to where bass is often featured. I, I think I'd be into that. All right. So Chuck's on the Brain X. Phil, how about you? I'm actually leaning towards the Brain X as well. I, I The middle one, the earbuds that are water and sweat resistant, every earbud I've ever purchased advertises that. And some of them actually live up to that advertisement. Uh, but, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I like the first one because I... My speakers in my house are all Bluetooth and I have a decent one that I think has a pretty good range. And I, I hear it when we do our all ears, because when I play music on it, I'm like, wow, I missed this in my earbuds. I missed this clearly in, on my phone and those kind of things. So anything that can improve upon that, I'm all for. The, the third one, I agree with Chuck as well, because I that sounds awesome. But it unless you're a really accomplished musician, I don't know how that helps everybody else. Yeah, the mellow scene is a cool idea. Not real good for us. I'm going with the Rome Sport, the earbuds. Uh, I listen to a lot of music and podcasts and stuff like that while I'm working out. I have always been in search of good headphones, good earbuds for that. And I've bought a bunch of crappy ones. Um, so I'd be interested in checking that one out. All right, moving on. Wait, what? Weirdest but awesomest tech. Which one of these do you want the most? Atmos Gear. Battery-powered inline roller skates. Comes with a fanny pack for the battery. Only 500 <laughs> bucks in today's money. <laughs> Next one, the Hasbro Selfie Series. This is Hasbro and From Labs, a 3D printing company, getting together. You download the Hasbro Pulse app, take a selfie, choose a character. 45 days later, you get yourself as a Marvel star wars or other action figure brow magic by l'oreal this is a machine that draws eyebrows on your face you can choose various eyebrow shapes and thickness <laughs> last one contact glove the world's first haptic virtual reality controller to employ micro coils composed of shape memory alloys to deliver tactile feedback basically the nintendo power glove for VR and the metaverse. Which one of these is the wildest and awesomest tech that you want? I don't know if I want any of them, but I'm interested in the fact that you can get an action figure of yourself or I can get it for chip or something like that because it's only been like five years that creating your own bobblehead for somebody became affordable, but I'd rather have an action figure, I guess, than a bobblehead. So uh, I'm sure the eyebrow thing would be great for me but I'm okay right now with that. I'm not immersed in VR yet, but the power glove thing was kind of cool, I guess, even though it sucked in real life. And I don't even remember what the first one was. So I'm just going to stick to having my own action figure. It's the roller skates, man. That was the first one. No, I'm good on, I'm good on that. You're good on your inline it was roller blades. You might have my interest if it was roller. <laughs> well, no, it blades, is. That's what an would... inline roller skate is. Oh. It is roller blades. Yeah. Well, couldn't you just say roller blades? <laughs> They're Who's called roller inline skate, roller I skates. I didn't know Couples that I had only. to explain what that Backward was. skate. All right. No, I'm still going to stick with the action figure. For me, none of these are great options, but it's the action figure as well. Like, I feel like that would be cool to get for my boys, to get for me, whatever. That's fun. That's cool. Um, the first one, battery-powered roller blades. 
how fat are we getting? Like you, you're not even <laughs> propelling yourself on rollerblades That's anymore. Right. Screw that. And then Uncle Leo's eyebrows is all I can think about with the <laughs> eyebrows. Yeah. I, mean, I can't have, uh, can't have that. And then I forget the fourth one already. So I, I, I think, uh, I, I think I'm going with the the action figure. Why not? I think the action figure is the only reasonable answer. I did think that the eyebrow thing would have been the solution to that Seinfeld episode when <laughs> Elaine draws eyebrows on Uncle Leo. Um, it's always nice when tech solves Seinfeld problems, yeah. uh, you know, 40 years too late or whatever it is, 30 years too late. Uh, yeah, the rest of these are just nonsense. I don't think we should have exercise equipment like inline skates, which I always thought of as an exercise thing, uh, become motorized. You know, pretty soon we're going to have like, machines at the gym that do the lifting for you uh it's really not moving us in the right direction but that's going to cap off our look at ces and some of the wild tech that's coming out soon there's there's some crazy stuff out there we we barely skimmed the surface of that but i wanted to before we go since we missed it last week uh, i want to hit the worst fantasy league ever too because we had a finals that ended, ended kind of strangely because of what happened in the Bills-Bengals game. But after all of that, and once that game was canceled, Tommy transactions came up big. Tommy is our champion. He won the game against Miller. Bonhart is the worst. He lost two of the last three games to me. What was your favorite part about this year's terrible fantasy football league? Uh, you attempting to make a trade for at least the first nine <laughs> weeks of the season before anyone... Uh, said yes. And I believe I was the one that said, yes, just, just say yes, man. Just say yes. Uh, I think being the only transaction I made was picking up Kate York and that paid sweet dividends <laughs> for the last two weeks of the season. So uh, that's, that's my favorite part. My favorite part as always is that I just don't care. Uh, and that makes fantasy football <laughs> a lot easier to enjoy uh, because when I did care, it made me miserable. But, fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Jim Harbaugh committed that he would enthusiastically be coaching Michigan in 2023, and no one believes him. Like Jimmy Har, I, too, would like to commit that I will enthusiastically be hosting this podcast in 2023 unless, you know, something better comes along. But... <laughs> I will always hope that you guys have a great week and I always look forward to getting together and doing this again real soon. Absolutely. Injuries. No Jack, no Jack Conklin. Jaguars. One without gaining a yard of offense in the first. <clears throat> Jesus. I think I want to watch the Lions score. Bills versus the Dolphins in Miami. No, that's got to be Dolphins. That can't be right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, and I we all saw it today, like his his ability to extend a play is ridiculous. It's absolutely no. ridiculous. And what you get out of that is passes like the touchdown pass to Chubb, some some crazy passes to convert third downs to over the middle to Najoku, 
you also get seven fucking sacks out yeah, of that, yeah. right? Because yeah. he, he just yeah. he, he escapes everything, but he's running around like he's a video game player. And it's it, so I, I think I think that's probably truer to form than we anticipate for a guy like Deshaun Watson, and we're just not used to seeing it. And yeah. we're gonna, you know, in losses, you're gonna see that as a negative um thing, right? Like the dude got sacked seven times, but how much of that was because he extended the play and ran around and there was still some sort of chance there. And I don't know. So I, that was kind of in the middle. The He made some amazing passes on some routes and then looked just terrible on yeah. some others. And I don't know. So at the end of the, at the, end of the game, I, I'm like, what do I think about Deshaun Watson in these six games? And my thought was I want him to have an offseason free of all this drama and work on his craft and get back in the building next year. And let's see what happens. You know, that's where I'm at. Like I've learned nothing from these six games. I think. Yeah. 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 Other than making excuses. And if we do a rap show, that's like, I'm how many seasons can we blame? Like, Oh, well you can't this year. Well, he got suspended. Well, Baker yeah. was injured last year. It was, you know, like Hugh Jackson got fired. Freddie Kitchens, like lame duck season. Like, there's so many excuses we've made for this team. Oh, for Freddie so many... Kitchens is that's a legit excuse. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, it's not an excuse all, for the organization. They like they, like right. they, they made the choice. They picked him. That was a humongous yes. mistake. But people make people in fan base make excuses. The Owen 16, same thing. Like they're ripping it down to the studs. I'm tired. I'm just. I'm relieved this season is over. I'm so relieved, but. You're pretty much right, Phil. Like he holds on to the ball. His mechanics are kind of shit too. Not like Patrick Mahomes' mechanics are kind of shit because he can throw from any angle and like still make it work. And I don't know if he trusts that line that much. And I don't blame him, man. Like that's that a big, I think that's a shit. bigger that's a bigger issue than yeah. anyone yeah. might be willing to admit. Yeah, this was not the best offensive line in the NFL no. this year. Oh, uh, they digress. Last year sure. the offensive line was fantastic. This year, uh, I not would so much. I would not fault this team for adding two tackles and a guard in the draft yeah. and, and free agency somehow, you, you know, yeah. like, absolutely. Yeah, I think man, we're going to get used to Watson. I, I think yeah. we are. I think that you're going to, I think we're going to learn to take some of those sacks as just He's part of the way play. that he plays, you mm -hmm. know, because yeah. he also had some amazing runs today. He did. He's just yeah. like, all right, yeah. man, like we've, we've never gotten to see this where a play breaks down and he can turn it into a 20 yard gain. That's amazing, man. Like that's just yeah. not something we've had. So I don't know, man. I Chuck, do you have an Otis Redding shirt on? I do. That's awesome. <clears throat> I don't think I've Very ever nice. in my life seen an Otis Redding shirt. <laughs> yeah, me neither. right now. That's, that's right. awesome. <laughs> I cleaned out uh I did some New Year's cleaning last weekend. I cleaned out drawers. I'm like, oh, it's a great shirt. It is. Yeah. yeah. I, I forgot I had it. I also found uh, an NDCL jersey. That's not my number. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Whose is that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think it's like number four. No was idea who that was. Like that was one of the Haydens, yeah. right? It was, really? it was like our, yeah, the ones we Pinstripe, wore. Huh? But it's small. It's like, literally, I wouldn't have even fit in it in high school. It's not the Munson one, though. No, I feel because we had one. pinstripes in the yeah. Munson. No, it's, yeah, I still it's, got mine somewhere too. Yeah, no, this is a the Munson yeah. ones looked like the old Orlando Magic, didn't they? They were the Munson like, Magic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 we were the Munson Magic. Yeah, found some old NWO shirts. So 
Nice. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a for tough life, call so. for what to wear tonight, didn't you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think Otis get, Redding was a good choice. Get it in a good podcasting rotation. That's right. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Never wear the same thing twice, mm-hmm. unless it's a trip shirt or an unprofessional, unprepared shirt. That's right. Only have time for this one. Although Chuck, I did buy tickets for the 1.1 billion Mega Millions. Oh boy! Drawing on Tuesday, so yeah, I, I noticed if the Ronaldo family win didn't I win do. the last one. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, uh, yeah, we didn't win. No, wait. I think I forgot to get tickets. <laughs> so when I said I'm going to win, I forgot. You be in it to win. Uh, it, right? But then I got ones for Friday and didn't come close so yeah. i'm i'm in it i'll be in it to win it for tuesday i like it didn't come close yeah 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 not even one number <laughs> my one in 100 trillion chance of winning just wasn't close quite close enough somebody's got to win man yeah somebody's yep. got to win yeah i think one person won that uh billion dollar powerball <laughs> He did earlier in the year, right in California. I never got up. It was in my show prep, and I and I never got an update for him because it was getting really close. It was not, it was unclaimed. Like I think you have six months, oh, maybe. Oh yeah, to oh, come yeah. forward, and and they had not yet. Um, wow. Yeah, which might be really smart of them if if they were setting up like an LLC, you know, like all that stuff, so so that yeah. money could. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know that. I have no idea. Yeah, or at least until like the story dies down a little bit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would be. It's different. Oh, yeah, like, I'd, I'd in, run. I would yeah, run immediately. Where's where's yes. where, where's your headquarters? I'll be there tomorrow. A local gas I want station. my yeah. I want my giant check. <laughs> in China, I think it's in China or Japan. One of them. When you claim it, it, any of those, like their version of Powerball or Mega Millions, like you, you have to. They release it publicly so most people who do if they went gigantic sums of money they dress up in like costume and cover their face so people don't know they <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i can I see why yeah, i wouldn't if... want anybody knowing exactly if i ever win it you will you will see a a six foot man in a full gorilla suit accepting the check <laughs> and you'll know you guys are all in for a little bit of a windfall all right <laughs> Uh, if I win, you're uh, gonna know because I'm gonna randomly show up at your house driving like a solid gold Rolls Royce on like gold. a Tuesday solid morning. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. Who's your driver? You gotta hire somebody to drive it. I can't that. drive a solid. Look at the gold guy. Rolls. Are you guys watching the Cavs game right now? There's like a guy with like full face tattoos sitting behind JB. Uh, I'm about like I don't sure think it's Post Malone either. Diakite is like the Josh Dobbs of the Cavs right now. Like everybody wants to see this guy play and he looks awesome in the fucking G league. He's um, a big dude with a, with, you know, his blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. His Rodman hair, not his Rodman rebounding. Like if he could develop, he is like what the Cavs and everybody else in the NBA loves. He's seven feet tall and he can handle the ball and shoot. Yeah. You know, like that's great. Now he's is just, he super young? I think so. Yeah. Although I don't know, he was he was on Milwaukee, and then he ended up with the Cavs. I'm not sure how that happened. Um, I bet he's a lot younger than us. You see the tattoo guy? 
No. Denim jacket <laughs> off of JB's left shoulder. I bet row. he's a lot younger than us. <laughs> yeah, that's, I bet he is assumption. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I see the tattoo guy. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good deal right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a more continuous ink job on his face than Post Malone. Post Malone yeah. looks like someone just like sneezed tattoos on his face. <laughs> just going with like what he can afford, right? Like I'm gonna get a little one here and another little one here, and you know, yeah, it's an investment for Post Malone. That guy looked more like a piece of art. Post Malone, not so much. <laughs> Write that down. Phil. one more thing to keep you from sleeping. Gotta yeah, catch up on permanent filling, midnight. That's right. I'm falling. I'm filling all these hours now. I got permanent midnight. I got four albums to listen to. I got Alf to watch. This is great. I don't need that two hundred dollars. <laughs> Your whole sunset. week is planned. <laughs> that two hundred dollars sunrise sunset. Screw that. I'm good to go. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, all right. Now we're after midnight. We did it. Yeah, we did it. We did. We did it. it. <laughs> Well done again, fellas. This was a fun one. We had we had a lot of stuff happening late. Um, that was yeah. important. That was good. All right, our All brothers right. have a have good one. All right, let's do a Love bunch of music this week, fellas. That's right. Perfect. Talk to you, Love it. Bye. Talk to you later. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you? <laughs>